I'm Sydney. And I'm Paula. And, and this, this is Murder-in-Law. Tell us what has happened in the past, like, two months. Um, So I fell sick, and then Rob fell sick. We both had COVID. I ended up with COVID and flu A. Um, When was the last time we recorded? Was that before Thanksgiving? (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, let's start there. Thanksgiving, Daisy was sick. Um, She had a bout of lice from school. Apparently, it was going around. I did find that out. Oh, my God. Yeah, we Um, had to bring over some supplies. That was freaking horrible. (laughs) Mayonnaise. Bring mayonnaise. Mayo, mayo, mayo. Alex was like, I'm not coming in. Yeah, he literally... Paula's like, oh, you can just come in the door. And he's like, I'm not coming in. Like, you need to come out and get this. Better safe than sorry. (laughs) She's she's like, they're all dead. They're all dead. I'm just getting out of the dead ones. And Alex is like, no. (laughs) I think I still have my hair wrapped up, too. Uh... But, yeah, we had, she was sick on Monday. On Tuesday, we had the lice. And Wednesday, I ended up in the hospital uh, with a blocked kidney. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That was all in the same time frame. It was all in that week. And then when you came out, we went to go get dinner, and I almost threw up. And you got sick. I was so sick. It was just the smell of all the food. I was like, okay, I got to go. I literally ordered my food, and the food came, and I was in the bathroom for, like, 20 minutes maybe? You went to the bathroom like three times. I went to the bathroom like three times and nothing ever happened but I was like sweating profusely but like I wasn't physically sweating. I was just so my body felt like it was on fire. That's it's so weird. It was awful so I literally was like I'm so sorry everyone just like literally got my dinner and I have to leave. Yeah poor thing. I won't go back there though. I don't blame the place but it was just like the food was good. I didn't like it. The drink was okay but it wasn't worth the price. Did you get the trash can? Yeah. Daisy said you kept that. Did you yeah, keep it? I didn't keep it. We bought it. Oh. It was like an extra $4. If Rob wanted to make me ask, I would have kept it. Yeah. Me but, and, uh, me and uh, Paula are kleptos. Yeah. Every time we see some serving dishes, trays, uh, cups. I'm, I'm trying to get better. Uh, I really we am. Just, she, we just stuff it in her bra. The, the second time I ever met you, you stole a spoon from a Chinese restaurant. I stole some dip cups and some <laughs> spoons from that restaurant like i went home with a box full of stuff it was it was it's those soup spoons that are really really deep but like yeah, look like a ladle really cute they're like it's from a japanese restaurant she literally just put it in her bra and then she, like daisy found it she's like no i bought it i bought yeah. it last night <laughs> you stole those no i didn't i bought them i, I bought, bought them those. from there yeah i mean we paid a lot for the dinner so yeah. it should be included right <laughs> Here, this is yours to take home. Oh yeah, so then you There's got like fifty out there. I know, like you just walk over and just grab right. One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had a lot of fish up there too. I need a fish. I have a fish tank, and my fish died. So maybe I'll just reach in there and grab one. Right, grab that on the way out. <laughs> and I have one of these koi things. <laughs> Thank you. A huge koi fish just like grabbing in my hand, it's just flopping around like. Right. But, yeah, Nobody so... will notice. I'll put it in my pocket. Yeah, no one will know. But yeah, so she got <laughs> COVID and the flu. Yeah, everyone was... had. Everyone was fucked. And then she got COVID again. Yeah. You got COVID twice. I had it. I had it twice. That was, let's see, we made it through Thanksgiving. We made it into the first week of December. And the second week of December is when we got sick. And we were down for three weeks. 
yeah um, that was yeah. we had to reschedule christmas like four times yeah and we ended up celebrating christmas on january 15th yeah. <laughs> the first one was january 8th and the second one was january 15th we still have to do papals which i haven't called him. we didn't do his last year until may yeah so it was literally after easter that we did yeah his which was so funny and oh alex God. gets um a wonderful really cool shirt every year yeah a really cool like awesome. he got an airbrushed uh race car shirt it was kind of cool though but like 90s cool you think you'd listen to this dad mm-hmm. no okay cool because that was satire i didn't want to be like wow it was so cool and then he listens and be like go fuck yourself yeah no they... i'm sure he'd probably tell us he's listening to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> no they won't listen to it They're, he's not he just now got a smartphone but it's like a basic smartphone yeah yeah they literally just moved from flip phones okay now it's been a crazy couple months yeah. we're finally turning it back on track and still go have some residual coughing um and... rob had the voice of like a 400 year old smoker that smokes five packs a day oh dude like if you know the movie like um a major so league that's crazy. the name of it the coach for major league it was dead on well i guess that concludes our one minute ramble yeah we'll for keep it short it's shorter that's the shortest it's definitely one the yet. shortest one we've done um piper we honey have can a... i help you we have a guest this evening, her name is yeah. Piper. She's a beautiful little gray kitty cat. Oh, and I got her since our last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. She's my mamaw's kitty cat, and she went to rehab, and then, not like drug rehab, but like fell and busted her I ass rehab. Too. And then she went to a nursing home, <laughs> and then she went home, and then something went wrong again, had another fall, so she went to rehab again, and I guess she's staying there now. Oh, really? In the nursing home, yeah. Oh. Yeah, she just can't, can't keep up anymore. You gonna come join us tonight? Yeah. Actually, she, you had got her on our last recording. Oh, we did thought I? she was oh, going to yeah. stay in here. Yeah, and she was Probably hiding under the couch, and I was like, me, my cat, me, my cat. And she's like, fuck you guys. Yeah. And now she's just out. like, hey. I'm just going to walk all over. Yeah, she's just going to walk all over everything. Probably stop the podcast. Probably delete the whole thing. Yeah. Delete my entire existence. Oh, I knew and she was going to step she... on it. Yep, there she goes. Would you like to hear about today's case? Yes. All right. Absolutely, because I have no idea who this is. Okay, yeah. So we had dinner last night, and I told Paula, she was like, okay, you don't have to tell me what it is, but, like, can you just tell me who it's about? And I was like, sure. So I told her. His name is John Schneeberger. Schneeberger. I'm trying to remember. S-C-H-N-E-B-E-R-G-E-R. It's a long spelling. Schneeberger. Um, She was like, "Mm, yeah, I don't know who that is. (laughs) So then I made her tell me her case and she said a name and i was like no idea and then later on i was like oh is it case xyz and she looked low-key defeated she was like Damn yeah it. <laughs> it was just a really Shit. lucky guess it was a super lucky guess because she I was talking about it, it up. <laughs> she was talking about it being recent so i just i happened to just throw something out there but i should have been like no what's that <laughs> no what oh my god tell me about this well it was way too loud in that mexican restaurant to yeah even i know hear a conversation so and this guy murdered her <laughs> All right, well, let's get in this case. So yes, it's yes, um, yes, already yes. been 30 minutes. So yes. remember our one-minute ramble that was 11 minutes, and we're like, oh, my God, that was yeah, so good. Yeah, you can and now that out. That's fine. So today's case is about um, the crimes of Dr. John Schneeberger. He's a doctor. Mm. And, um, yeah, he's one weird dude. And I'd like to call this case the ultimate switcheroo because there's quite a few twists in this case Nice. that you will be absolutely quaking at and it's really infuriating 
And this case took seven years with eyewitness testimony. And seven it still took years. seven years. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And it, it got like dismissed multiple times. <clears throat> so hmm. that's going to tell you how today's going to go. So on Halloween night in 1992, Candace, I think her last name is Fonagy. It's F-O-N-A-G-Y, but I won't be saying her last name again. So I just don't know how to pronounce it. Um, she was 23 years old and a single mother, and she was just finishing her shift at the tiny town's only convenience store. Uh, before she could leave, her ex-boyfriend Danny stopped by to see her. They hadn't been broken up for very long, and there was still a lot of tension between the two. They had gotten into a heated argument to the point that Candace basically just said fuck it and sped off in her car. She was so frustrated after this visit by her ex that all she wanted to do was drive to Kipling Memorial Hospital to visit her friend. She just had to talk to somebody about all of this. So as she makes her way into the hospital, she finds out that her friend isn't working that night. And she's like literally infuriated. Like she's so flustered and she's freaking out and she was saying that she was so mad she could kill her ex-boyfriend. So at that point she gets kind of hysterical and finding out that she just came all that way for nothing. Right. And it's 1992. It's not like she could have shot her front text like, hey, are you at work right now? So she just kind of like walked in hoping her friend was there. Yeah. She was so distraught that the nurses on duty suggested that she stay and see a doctor before leaving. Because, again, she's like, I'm so mad that I could kill him. And she's just freaking out. So, an on-call doctor was willing to see her named Dr. John Schneeberger. He had moved to Kipling, Saskatchewan. I'm going to struggle with that. In Canada, from South Africa. He was married with three children, two biological daughters with his wife, Lisa, and one from her previous marriage. He was a well-respected member of the community as they usually are, Mm -hmm. Um, and he had even helped the town get a public swimming pool built. If you can't tell, the town of Kipling is very small in a very tight community where everyone knows everyone. Candace also knew the doctor because he delivered her daughter earlier that year. So he's on call and so happened to deliver her daughter. So as they both made their way into the room, Candace started telling the doctor about her anxiety, and he suggested a sedative to relieve her stress. So he left the room to retrieve the sedative, Then upon his return, she was confused to see a syringe in the doctor's hand. She was expecting to get a pill or like some tablets and just be up and out. Right. So uh, he injected her, but she immediately fell back onto the table, stating, I fell over like a piece of jelly. I tried to scream as I fell over, but nothing came out but a croaking noise. She was partially unconscious, but was still aware of her surroundings, or so she thought. When Candace came to, she was confused, shocked, and dizzy. Too dizzy to drive home. The nurses told her that she should stay the night in the hospital, and she agreed, still dazed. The next morning, she woke up and knew something was terribly wrong. She immediately confronted Dr. Schneeberger and asked him, What was the drug you gave me? And he said, Why? Did it give you crazy dreams? And Candace knew exactly what happened. That night, she felt her jeans being pulled off. She remembers being turned on her side, facing a cold, dull hospital wall. She later stated, quote, My eyes were wide open. They were, like, stuck wide open. I couldn't even shut them. It was like I was paralyzed. She knew someone raped her last night, and she was going to prove it. She asked the nurses for a plastic bag and put her underwear in it and went straight home and immediately told her parents, like, can you imagine being in that situation and your first thought is, like, let me get my underwear. Like, I know this has something on it. Like, let me bag my underwear. And I'm going to use this to catch this motherfucker. I wouldn't. Like, I that know. wouldn't be my first thought. I think I'd be I, in I, such a rush. I don't like think I would have went home, though. I would have went straight to the police office. Yeah. So, that's a little bit police hard. Station. So, Kipling was such a small town, and Dr. Schneeberger was a well-respected member of the community. 
He was the only doctor in the hospital, or he was also a doctor in the only hospital in town. So Candace decided to go to a larger town about 95 miles away from the clinic so they could perform a rape kit. The rape kit found evidence of semen. She knew she was right, but she was about to accuse a well-respected doctor of drugging and raping her. Candace needed as much evidence as possible for such a claim. She requested a blood test, which revealed the presence of the drug Versed, a pre-anesthetic used to induce anesthesia. Candace went to the Kipling Police Department and presented them with her evidence and filed a formal complaint. On November 2nd, upon questioning by police, Dr. Schneeberger voluntarily gave a blood sample. He was adamant that he was innocent and his blood would not be a match. A needle was put into the doctor's arm and sure enough, his blood was not a match. Candace was flabbergasted. She knew it was him. He drugged and raped her. She was sure it was him. She spent the next year insisting that the sample had been mishandled or tampered with. After constant contact with police and immense pressure from Candace, in August 1993, Dr. Schneeberger agreed to give blood again. He continued to tell them that he was innocent. This time, his blood was drawn by a registered nurse and the entire procedure was monitored by police. They watched him do the same exact thing as last time. He rolled up his sleeve, put out his arm, and set it on the table, and they all watched the needle enter his arm. The sample was taken directly to the police department by police officers themselves, and this time the blood sample still was not a match. Candace was absolutely devastated. Like, can you imagine that? Like, knowing you were raped by this person and DNA has let you down twice. Yeah. I'd be so pissed. I would be so pissed off. So, residents of the town did not take take kindly to Candace. She was smearing the name of one of the town's doctors, and they considered themselves lucky to have such a skilled doctor in their tiny town. Um, And while Candace was a single mom, probably just looking for a financial gain from the whole situation. Yeah. She must have had a romantic interest in the doctor, and when he rejected her, she cried rape. She wanted to ruin his marriage and his career. (laughs) How weird that she's drugged and raped, but still doesn't tell any of the nurses. And she just stayed the night there? I would never. These were all thoughts and allegations made by the townspeople out of their love for their town hero, Dr. Schneeberger. Candace was so hated that she had to move from Kipling to the city of Red Deer, Alberta, nine hours away. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police closed the case in 1994. Dr. Schneeberger just continued on with his life after the allegations. So she had to move. Were they testing his DNA or just like blood type? Just blood. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know if, because this is the 90s, so I don't know if they can do semen, um, do a semen sample and actually test for the DNA. I think they can get the DNA from the semen and match it to the blood, but this is all voluntarily. So he's like voluntarily coming in like, hey, I'll give you my blood. But if his blood doesn't match the DNA and the semen, then obviously it's not him. I'm not going to force him to take a, take a test like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, I was just wondering because I'm trying to remember when DNA testing like, really started to be popular. I think it was like 96. Yeah. So. And this was all voluntary. So otherwise they would have to get like a court order to like have to take his DNA. So he, if he's doing it voluntarily, they can just like forego all that shit. And they're just like, okay, perfect. I'll take your blood. And then yeah, it doesn't match. So they're like, okay, well, he's not the guy. Candace still could not get over the fact that Dr. Schneeberg had violated her and somehow was getting away with it. With no other option, she decided to hire a private investigator named Larry O'Brien, a 25-year-old veteran of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. This is in Canada, if you can't tell. Uh, Candace thought he was perfect for the job, as he had done undercover intelligence work, undercover and intelligence work, in Ontario. She asked him to get some sort of DNA sample because something was happening with these blood samples. 
On March 3, 1996, O'Brien broke into Dr. Schneeberger's car. He collected a sample of hair from the headrest, but upon further notice, there was no root attached, therefore rendering it useless. As he looked around, he found a tube of chapstick. It was slightly used so there would be epithelial cells from his lips that could be used for DNA testing. He took the chapstick and rubbed it on the plastic window of an envelope, sealed it, timed it, and initialed the sample, and sent it to the forensic lab in British Columbia. That's pretty smart. He just had a... a, It's going to be a useless envelope. Yep. The results came back, and would you believe it? The DNA sample from the chapstick matched the DNA found in Candace's underwear from that night. She knew she was right. All this time, she was right. Candace took this new evidence straight to the Kipling police and demanded they reopen the case. Now, remember that O'Brien physically broke into the doctor's car without a warrant to search his belongings. So, that could not be used as evidence. Uh, This chapstick could have belonged to anyone, in theory, so police did not reopen the case. They were, however, very curious, um, but couldn't just charge him. But But DNA doesn't lie, so it could not have been him. Candace was still confused as to how the blood sample wasn't matching, so with no help from the police, she decided to file a civil suit against the doctor with the medical society. Dr. Schneeberger's wife, Lisa, was so furious that Candace accused her husband of such a heinous act, and she didn't believe it for a second. She even called Candace a slut in an interview with a local TV station. Nevertheless, the pressure of his license being at stake, he volunteered to have his blood taken for the third time on November 20th, 1996. To ensure nothing was going to mess up the sample, they performed it in the police forensics lab and recorded the entire procedure. And you can actually see this video. nice. The lab tech asks for the doctor's finger to draw blood. You really don't need that much blood to get the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. So, however, the doctor said to use his arm since he bruises easily due to a disease he has. Very convenient. Mm -hmm. Since this is a voluntary blood draw, they can't force him to do anything he doesn't want to do. So, they just agree to take the sample from his arm. So he did the same thing he's done for each sample. He rolls up his sleeve, puts out his left arm, and sets it on the table, and everyone is watching his blood fill a vial. But this time, it was a little different. When the technician pulled back on the needle, nothing was coming back, coming out. Hmm. She changed the plunger, thinking that maybe it was just a bad seal, and with a little work, she did get the blood to come out. Now, remember, this is all being videotaped. As the technician is examining the blood, she's documented saying, it's a little strange in that the blood doesn't look really, like, fresh. She looks like she is smiling uncomfortably, like, genuinely confused. So they decided to test the blood anyway, but determined it wasn't a large enough sample, and the blood had been too degraded for an accurate DNA test. How can that happen if it just came out of his arm? Yeah, it just came out of his arm, and they're saying it's not a large enough sample, but you can take it from a finger prick. So I don't... Like she she must have got a little out of there, but they figured it wasn't because it was so degraded. It probably wasn't enough. Yeah, but she was saying it was like dark. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like that's why they need another sample. Yeah, they're gonna need another one. Yeah. So Candace was so pissed. She literally said, "Oh my god, that's bullshit. This is our last chance to get blood from him, and you guys screwed it up again." She was very defeated. I would be so upset. I would be saying I want a warrant. Literally. Like, (laughs) what's going on? We have reopened this case and you guys are just fucking this shit up. Like, if you're going to bruise, you're not just going to bruise in your fingers, you're going to bruise in your arm too. Right. Like, okay, (laughs) make it make sense, bro. (laughs) Hiccups. Just five months later, some devastating news would break Candace's case wide open and add an additional charge for Dr. Schneeberger. Uh Aha. Good. Mm, (laughs) It's not, it's not good. 
On April 25, 1997, just as police were about to request a fourth DNA test from Dr. Schneeberger, uh, his wife, Lisa, dropped an absolute bomb. Lisa accused him of raping her 15-year-old daughter, mm. Dr. Schneeberger's stepdaughter. The daughter went to her mother, showing her a condom wrapper and telling Lisa, her the wife, the story. But not just one. Dr. Schneeberger had been coming into his stepdaughter's room in the middle of the night for years. Oh my god. He would inject her with something that would have her dazed and f- with faint memories of sexual incidents with her stepfather. Jesus. Lisa recalled that her daughter had woken up one morning groggy and crying. She told her mom that her stepdad had injected her with something in the middle of the night. When Lisa asked her husband, he had admitted to it, but he said that she had a cough, so she gave him some, she gave her something just to help with it. Oh, whatever. Yeah, and Lisa didn't really think much of it, considering he's a doctor. So she asked her daughter why she hadn't said anything prior. And she, her response is literally so heartbreaking. She said, you didn't believe Candace, so why would you believe me? Mm. Lisa took it upon herself to search her husband's office, where she found a box of condoms, syringes, and drugs, including Versed. In an interview with the CTV's W5, Lisa said, My world was shattered when my daughter told me what had been happening to her in our own home. I wanted to be sick to my stomach. I didn't know where to turn. If it hadn't been for my family and friends, I'm not sure I could have made this arduous journey. I still blame myself. Maybe if I believe Candace, none of this would have happened to my daughter. If he had been doing that for, well, for years. Mm-hmm. But it started after her. The accusation of, with Candace. Yeah. So she immediately called the police. With this new information, police immediately arrested the doctor and ordered a warrant for a fourth DNA test. This DNA test, unlike the others, was not voluntary. Therefore, he no longer had a say in how or what was done. The technician took three samples, including hair, a saliva swab from his mouth, and a blood sample from the finger on his right hand. And all three samples matched the DNA sample from the chapstick, as well as Candace's underwear from that Halloween night five years ago. Yay. How did this well-respected doctor evade arrest by three DNA tests where everyone watched him get his blood drawn? The world would find out two years later at his trial in November 1999. Dr. Schneeberger took the stand in his own defense, stating that the first three times they drew blood, they were drawing someone else's blood. How? No one came in posing as the doctor to get the draw- his blood drawn. There was no one else's blood injected to him in some weird experiment. It was actually quite simple. He had taken another of his male client's blood, inserted it into a thin rubber tube called a Penrose drain, along with an anticoagulant, to keep it in the liquid state, and he implanted the tube in his arm next to his vein. So a nurse is going to see this vein and go, ooh, that's really juicy. Yeah. Like, let me grab this one. And that was in his left arm. So that is why he always put his left arm out on the table every single time. Wow. And said, no, How did they don't not- break my fingers. Are this you- tube, it's... So when you look at it, just where he just rolls his sleeve up, it just looks like a bigger vein. It do- It's not a huge tube. So, this is why he always insisted on having his blood drawn from the left arm. In fact, in one of the videos, he pulls up his sleeve to have his blood drawn, and for a brief moment, you can see the tube protruding from his left arm. He lifts up his sleeve, and it's such a quick, like, he pulls it up and realizes what's going on, so he, like, just readjusts his sleeve. But you can see how big this thing is poking out of his arm. Like, he just made an incision so and just pushed just... it in there. 
he basically hid it from them so they couldn't see the incision. Okay. Yes. So all he had to do was lift up wow. his arm just enough to get the needle inserted. Um, this also explains why the technician who performed the third blood sample said that the blood looked dark and, quote, not fresh. And that's why it had been degraded. Yeah. He had removed the tube from his arm after the second DNA test and stored it in the fridge. When he needed to volunteer for the next sample, he received it from the fridge, reinserted it into his arm four years later for the third DNA test. That's why it was so degraded. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Schneeberger said he did this not because he was guilty. Clearly, he's not guilty, guys. Okay. But because he didn't trust police. In fact, that makes zero sense. I know. In fact, he claimed that Candace must have broken into his house and stolen a condom from the trash in order to get a semen sample to frame him. Like, how could she do that? Well, if, A, why are you using a condom with your wife? You never know what's going on, bro. Maybe but, she was like, still fertile. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> Maybe trying to practice safe sex. But uh, Judge Ellen Gunn responded by saying his defense was inventive, fanciful, imaginative, However, one that does not apply is credible and called his theory preposterous. Period. So Dr. Schneeberger pleaded with his wife to stand by him through his trial and promised her he was innocent. Lisa thankfully chose to believe her daughter, rejecting her husband's pleas. She was now left alone with four children, the youngest being 13 months old. Oh, God. She had sold the car to pay for her mortgage and even got a job at the Diabetes Association in Red Deer, Alberta. That next day in court, Dr. Schneeberger was found guilty of sexual assault, administering, administering a noxious substance, as well as obstruction of justice, all in relation to Candace's case. Well, that's good. As for his stepdaughter's case, there was unfortunately not enough conclusive evidence, so he was not convicted. That's horseshit. Yeah. She has condoms coming out of her room. Yeah. But she's also a 15-year-old girl, so it's kind of hard to test it. Clearly. But it was a condom wrapper. It was not a condom. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was a condom. Yeah. So there was not enough conclusive evidence. Oh. The maximum penalty for these offenses are usually life imprisonment. Would you like to guess how much he actually got? Because it wasn't life. What? Two years? Six. He only received six years. That is literally less time than it took for everyone to even believe Candace. Like, Candace just spent seven years of her life trying to track this guy down and get his dna and actually get it tested correctly and he only got six years so she didn't get one any of that time back well yeah and two she's gonna have to wait until he gets out and like what the fuck's gonna happen now yeah so yeah lisa had filed for divorce and took back her maiden name of dillman but unfortunately this was not the last she would see of her husband i knew it on the evening before dr schneeberger's sentencing lisa refused to let the girl sleep over with him as was required by the visitation agreement. Why? And she was fined $2,000 for contempt of court. After this woman just had to sell her car and had to pick up a job because her husband was a doctor and she was not working, she was fined for $2,000 after he had raped her stepdaughter but wouldn't let their biological children over. This is because the abuse occurred to his stepdaughter and not his biolo biological daughters. As if it makes a fucking difference. But... So, since the abuse was to a non-biological child, their biological children could still sleep over with their dad, even oh. though they were both daughters. He shouldn't even been out for them to sleep over. No, but he was, I'm assuming, out <clears throat> on bond, so. Oh, what horseshit. Yeah. Even after he was sentenced to his six years, he still insisted his daughters come visit him in prison, as he still had parental rights. 
His daughters did not want to see him at all, but they were forced to see him every last Sunday of the month, as well as call him every single Monday for an hour-long conversation. And this conversation had to last an hour. It's not like how Alex's was, where you just had to call him at a certain time. Like, you had to be on the phone for an hour. So, uh, when Lisa took the girls to prison, media was everywhere, trying to capture their arrival and departure. No matter how torturous this was, Lisa had to take them, or she faced a fine of $5,000. And obviously, she just... shit. Yeah, she just didn't have this kind of money. But more than 100 people showed up to the prison gate in support of Lisa and tried to block their car from getting into the entrance. This protest was organized by Mad Mothers Against Pedophiles. Just had to shout that out because, like, go the fuck off. This organization claimed that the courts were putting sex offenders' rights ahead of children's best interests. Right. And that is 100% correct. Like, you cannot deny that. Like, I don't give a fuck what parental rights you have. If you have raped a child, well, obviously that's not the case because he was not found guilty. But if you're a sex offender and you have raped someone, yeah, you should not... supposed to be around like, the kids. Like, what the fuck? So, um, I'm sure it's some legal bullshit, but, like, so it's... So, this would have been, what? Ridiculous. 99-ish? Yeah, November 99, yeah. So, um, unfortunately, this didn't work and they were forced to face their monster of a father and ex-husband. The girls cried and hid behind Lisa during their meeting. They were absolutely terrified and did not want to talk to him at all. He had ruined their lives, their family, and their sister. The social worker had to cut the meeting short, saying it was too traumatic for the girls who were only five and six. After this, Dr. Schneeberger decided to end the visitations. Well, good. Yeah. So, at least he had some sort of fucking morals. A bill was then put forward to add to the Divorce Act called Lisa's Law. This would limit the right of child access by sex offenders. Right on, sister. Unfortunately, this bill was not passed. Damn it. Yep. (laughs) She was terrified of the thought of her ex-husband being released. She wanted to protect her family at all costs. She reported John to the immigration authorities, stating that he had lied on his citizenship papers. Because I don't know if you remember, he was an immigrant from South Africa. He had applied for citizenship after the rape accusation from Candace, making him part of a police investigation. And if you don't know anything about immigration, on every application it asks, quote, have you ever been the subject of police investigation? To which he marked... No. Although he was cleared as a suspect at the time, he was still part of the investigation. So in 2003, after serving only four years, bitch, served only four years, Hmm. John Schneeberger was released on parole. In December that same year, his citizenship was revoked. Yes. And he was deported Deported. back to South Africa in July 2004. But not before Schneeberger was the subject of a petition to immigration to reconsider the deportation order. He had many supporters still in Kipling that were so saddened that he would never get to see his daughters ever again, including the one he allegedly raped. Thank you. Thankfully, it was denied because fuck these whack jobs. What the fuck? Looks like what's going on today. Like, oh my god. Like, you're really gonna sit there after he was found guilty by DNA from three samples of DNA of raping a woman and accused of raping his stepdaughter. And you guys are like, oh my god, he's never going to see his kids again. I feel so bad. Please let him stay. He was such a good doctor. He was such a good person. Bro. No. (laughs) Like, come on. These people are whack. Well, it's like trying to make pedophilia today. They have a pedophilia flag out. 
Yeah, oh my god okay so i did see that they were trying to make that like a sexual orientation and like yeah the lgbtq like, community is pissed yeah i i truly hope well, they, most of them anyway <laughs> i hope all of them um, i mean i hope every human is like yeah please don't make that a thing because that is and, like people are like oh well i feel it's, like go ahead. it's love like it's not love no it's it's perversion yeah Pure and simple. Yeah. They, that is legal. I feel like you paint, you hang that out, you're painting a target on your back. So um, God help you with yeah. what happens. Yep, and I, I won't be there to you, defend you. God has a special place in hell for you messing with kids because mm-hmm. kids are his whole world. I hope everyone who is a pedophile, their penis explodes. Me too. Yep, and their butthole. Or their vagina too. So. Oh yeah, or yep, I forgot there's, there's also women. Some of them out there too. But yeah. um, Go ahead. yeah, so thankfully it was denied. But then they threw him a huge going away party before he left and even helped him sell all his things before going back to South Africa. Uh, like these people, people were literally diehard fans of this guy. And they're like, That's yeah, let's disgusting. throw him a huge party. Let's help him sell all this stuff. Like, we'll get you some money. And also the, um, I don't know what it was back then, but now one American dollar is worth like 13 South African dollars, which are called Rand. So, if he's selling all of his uh, stuff in America and bringing it over to South Africa, if the if that rate is still as high, he could have been going there with, like, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm thinking, like, we're deporting him from there, which is great. Go back to your country, that's fine. But, you know, what about the innocent people? That, for real. And he's not facing any jail time there, so he's just going there, like, clean. Mm-hmm. Clean bean. And he, I found this out the other day. You can purchase, I can get online and purchase um, a bachelor's degree for whatever. What, really? Yeah. Um, it's on the black market. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Well, in South Africa, you're not really required for any schooling to do really anything. Like, my ex was an electrician there, never went to school. Literally just walked into a place and was like, hey, can I work here? And they're like, sure. Put him on the job as an electrician? No, he's an electrician. Very scary. I mean, they don't have any kind of yeah, stuff where you have to wear hard hats. You don't have any All you kind have of... to do is go over there and get a fake degree yeah. and be a doctor. Yep. Well, you'll see. And oh, that's scary. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> so, you're fine. I'm, I'm unsure of this next part being 100% true because I only saw it on one source, but I would not be surprised. Yeah. So, John's brother, Bill, was a cardiothoracic surgeon in America and firmly believed his brother, John, was innocent. And this is kind of broken English a little bit, but I'm just going to repeat what he said. I know he is not a fool and rape in a consulting room when you have asked two nurses to join you is ridiculous. So he's basically saying like, I know he wouldn't rape someone and then ask come, two nurses to come check on her in a doctor's office. When they in a hospital? Yes. And then if he asked the nurses to come check on her, it doesn't mean he already didn't rape her. Yeah. And she's almost fully unconscious. Like yeah. she's... Like she said, she felt she was paralyzed. Yeah. And she was so dazed when she came to. And they're like, I think you should stay another night. And they're like, she's like, okay. Like, she's too tired. She literally couldn't drive home. So he's basically using that against her. Like, oh, she was so, like, she's such a liar. Like, she just lied and, like, what, he's going to rape her. And then t- she's going to tell her two nurses she's fine and stay the night. I mean, I get that you want to defend your family and everything. But when there's DNA evidence to prove it. Yeah. It's pretty it's damning. Fine. You could still love your brother. But yeah. I mean, it is damning. It's it's damning yeah. evidence. It's it's it's, it's the DNA. Best evidence <laughs> you can get. Yeah. 
And then he admitted to what he was doing, using fake blood. Yeah, using yeah, he, he admitted blood. to the entire thing. Yeah. Not the rape, but he admitted to using the fake blood. And then, lo and behold, his real blood was a match. Like, yeah. Wow. And he took uh. samples, like hair, blood. Like, oh, she just took a condom from my house. Yeah. Okay, no. bro. I'm sure she's going to go through all that. That's why I said, like, I wouldn't have went home. I would have went straight to the police. Yeah. But, I mean, he didn't bring that up. I, I would have ran home, maybe, and or said, hey, I'm going to call my parents when I get there. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. So, um, yeah, John had... So, Dr. Schneeberger, his first name is John. I'm going to be referring to him as John from now on because he had his medical license stripped in America. So John had applied to the Health Professions Council in South Africa when he arrived in 2004. Thankfully, people knew exactly who he was, and women's groups were absolutely fuming and vowed to protest any decision to reinstate his medical license, which again he was stripped of in America. When newspapers exposed his past, he withdrew his application. Good. He is now living with his mother in Durban doing catering jobs. And that Sucka. is, yeah, that's, that's John. So as for the remaining victims of John Schneeberger, they seem to be doing as well as they can. Candace is now married and works as a care assistant for an addiction services facility. Mm-hmm. There is not much known about Lisa, but she has made it known that she thinks her ex-husband felt no remorse for what he had done, calling him a monster in an interview. As for her daughter, she has put her stepfather's abuse behind her for the most part and seems to be a well-adjusted young woman. That's good. And that is the case of Dr. John Schneeberger, the ultimate switcheroo. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I was trying to guess. I thought maybe it was going to be one of those cases where they have two DNAs. That people can have two DNAs? Mm-hmm. So I actually just heard about this a couple weeks ago. Video I was watching. This woman, she had three kids, and all three of her kids didn't match her DNA. They were her kids. She birthed them. Oh. Yeah. Come to find out, she has absorbed a twin, oh, and she had two DNAs. No way. You've never seen that, like, on CSI? No, that's so I always thought so it was full cool. of shit, yeah. I would have never thought that. There was, like, a that murderer on, on uh, a CSI episode, and he clearly had murdered him, but they needed the DNA. So they'd pull his DNA, and they'd test it, and sure enough, what would come up, it wasn't a match. Yeah. And they happened to do it a different way, and they were able to break down of course, this is a show. Yeah. Hollywood. They broke it down and they were able to see both DNAs. Huh. Like, they were trying to take her kids from her. Wow. Because they didn't think that they were her kids. It was like three of them. And I was trying to guess in my head, like, like what? how's he doing yeah. this? How's he doing this? My first thought was like, oh, he must have injected. I thought I didn't, that I didn't know too. if that would be possible to, like, inject someone's blood. Mm-hmm. And then it would just be so quick after the fact that they draw it and it's someone yeah. else's. Or it's mixed, like you said. Yeah. And it just doesn't match. But, like, as I'm reading, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Right. And when I saw, like, because I was watching, oh, yeah, so my, one of my sources was um, Forensic Files. It was oh, a Forensic okay. Files episode. And they showed the video of him pulling his sleeve up. And, like, I have mine pulled up right here. Like, it was just, like, a, a bigger vein, just, like, a little bit bigger. And he pulled, he had a sleeve, like, right here. So they just injected right right below the elbow. I'm but surprised. when he pulled the sleeve above his elbow and it was pretty loose, so he pulled it up and you could just barely see, like, there was a literal, like, huge, like, lump in his arm and you pull it up a little bit more and you can see a tube hanging out. Wow. And he just pulls the sleeve down real quick. Not, like, all the way down, just, like, readjusts it. And the nurse, like, isn't even looking at him. And you can see yeah. in the video when she's, like, pushing it in that, like, she's pulling the plunger and nothing's coming out. So, like, she changes out the plunger, puts it back in, 
and pulls it. And after like a little bit, she finally gets it out. And you can see, sorry, that was really whistly. You can see in the video that she's like looking at the blood and she even says to the camera, like, this looks weird. Like it, it's dark and it's wow. like, we just didn't look fresh. And she's just super, like smiling and is like confused. Like she had never seen it before. So yeah, I was like, that's strange. yeah, I was, but like, just imagine if you wouldn't have done that. Like if he wouldn't have gotten so ballsy to sexually assault his stepdaughter, he would have gone away with that for the rest of his life. It makes you wonder too, like you hear about those two, were there more? Yeah. And he's a doctor, so he knows how to do that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think, what was it? Versa? Versa. Versed. Yeah. That's like. When you're going under, they give you that, and then they give you a paralytic once they get the stuff. Yeah, so they use that for, like, when you're getting, like, yeah, that, and, like, when you get, like, a, like, an exam for your colon, like, a rectal exam, and they, like, put the tube up there, they give you Versed. Yeah, uh, I had a upper GI, I think Mm -hmm. it was called. They went down my throat with the scope because my food, like, gets hung up in my chest, and he was trying to see if it was, like, I needed it stretched. Mm -hmm. Um, he said I didn't, but after he did that, I didn't have any problems for a while. But I'll tell you what, I woke up and I was like, can I take some of that home? <laughs> it's like the best Just nap chilling, ever. Yeah. She's like, we well, you know it's the same stuff that they gave Michael Jackson. And I'm like, I'll be careful. Is that, did <laughs> Just he die from that? Supposedly. Oh, yeah. I, I don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff, I but have, I do remember when he died. I have conspiracy theories on that. Mm, okay, I'd love to hear them sometime. Oh my gosh. But I did want to go over my sources real quick because I yes. did forget to go over those in the beginning. Yeah, I know. Um, I was going to remind you. <laughs> I know because, well, usually I put the sources at the very top of my page, but today I put them at the bottom. So my sources were um, evidencelockerpodcast.com, uh, forensictales.com. Uh, there's a book called True Crime Case Histories by Jason Neal. It was volume one, chapter six. Forensic Files, Season 6, Episode 18. And again, in that video, you can see where he has the tube and he pulls up his sleeve too much by mistake. Yeah, I'm going to go home and watch it. For sure. I'll show you this. I'll show you afterwards, actually. And the website, iflscience.com. So, those were my sources. And that was the case of Dr. John Schneeber. A horrible motherfucker. Yeah, he is. Piece of shit. I know, but people got... Like, that is so... I hate to say it, but creative... It is to think to do that, yeah, and putting it to the point where like, it was just a big enough tube to where like they're like, oh, that's a juicy vein, but like yeah. not big enough to where like, <laughs> bro, you're playing. <laughs> He's a doctor. Excuse me. Yeah. Like he knows. That's that's crazy. Yeah, it is so sad that they didn't believe her though, and she had to deal with this for seven years, going back yeah. and forth, yeah, still trying sad. to raise her child, single, and moving all over the place because she just had to get away from this fool. Yeah. Any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns? Well, it just pisses me off. Mm-hmm. And only to get six years. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm glad he was deported. Yeah. I mean, at least you got that out of it. But um, I'm pretty sure South Africa has quite a few sex crimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not super safe there. No. And Durban, where he moved, is like not a super great place. Not to be offensive to anyone if they like Durban, but <laughs> it's not a super safe place. Yeah, I mean, nowhere in South Africa is, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've heard things about South Africa. Like, I, I've watched videos where they say, if you're a tourist over there, do not go out by yourself. Do not mm-hmm. go out after dark. Like, 6 p.m., you need to be inside with your doors locked and your windows shut. Yeah, when I was there, they have laws that, like, if you're a woman and it is dark, mm-hmm. you can pass through a red light as long as it's safe. Yeah. 
because like it's just super common and my I guess ex-sister-in-law she drove a moped because like it's super common there to have mopeds yeah and she would drive that thing all over at night and I'm like are you fucking crazy she's from there she yeah, knows she's, yeah she's fine she knows where to go and where not to go all right so thank you for listening to possible episode number five because we can't remember and you can find us on Instagram at Murder and Law Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook at Murder and Law. It is not mm-hmm. a friend, it is a group. And you can email us your email. Email. You can email us your scary stories, any requests on Murder and Law 22 at gmail.com, I believe. <laughs> it's been a while, y'all. Sorry. Oh my God. Yeah, Murder and Law 22 at gmail.com. I still haven't gotten any emails. I have two. Come on, people. Hit us up. We, we need some cases. It's fun to look on our own and find our own, but, you know, you send enough stuff works, too. I want to hear what the people want. Yeah. All right, so and hit you- us up on our socials. Don't forget to um, subscribe or follow, whether on your, you're on, jeez, oh, peace, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify. Yes, yes, yes. Don't forget to rate and, and share like it. it and like it. And follow it and yeah. do all that fun stuff for engagement. And here soon we're going to be putting up a YouTube. Yes, eventually we will. Oh my gosh, I promise. Yeah, we'll get there. I really just need to clean this place up. and That's okay. I need a table. Because our current... I should have got you that for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> our current backdrop is a, a little messy because I also do nails out of my house. It looks better in my I am here. licensed, so it's not illegal, but I don't do it for monetary gain. Yeah, if any... Licensing boards are listening. Just no monetary you know. game. Just for fun. We don't pay her. We make her do it for free. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Help me. She needs money. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so hit us up. Absolutely. This outro is fucking awful. Nah, it's all right. It's been a while. We'll get there. Yep. I swear. We'll get it back to normal. No, it was just a really rough couple months. <sighs> Good Lord, when the crease don't rise, everything will go smoothly from here on out. <sighs> I hope so. Put it out in the universe. We will see you hopefully next week. Keep it real spooky, people. Absolutely. And I'm Sydney. And I'm Paula. And this this is Murder-in-Law. Murder-in-Law.